what is it like being neurodivergent? And what are the best and worst parts of it? We discuss this and more with special guest, Raymond Mercado, on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for you to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, nauseating neurotypical. And with me, as always, is my gallantly glib co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and this one is just straight up true, no joke this time, a neurodivergent person. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> Everyone's waiting for the story or the joke. Nope, this time I, it's, I'm right on topic. I actually get to say something that's totally true and on topic. I love it. No, th there is no joke. Uh, I'm, that's so boring, but, 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 <laughs> but it's okay. You will be forgiven this time because we have a very entertaining guest with us. And he is a very special guest indeed. He is a podcast host, filmmaker, animator, musician, voice actor, and tabletop enthusiast. He is the host of two podcasts, Rainbow Cupcake, a neurodivergent podcast, and Musicverse, an improvised musical story with two seasons. And he has five YouTube channels full of his own animation and musical work, including the short film Sin Sentido, the movie, and a very pixel Christmas holiday special. Most importantly, he is a big fan of this podcast and a deeply valued member of the Overthinkers community. He is the radiant, the rational, the rambunctious Raymond Mercado. Raymond, welcome to the show. Hello there, I am here to claim the title of the most narcissistic person after Nathan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're gonna, yeah, it's gonna be tough. I was gonna say, if you're gonna come out on top, you're gonna have to fight me for it. I don't know, man. Finally, a worthy opponent. Our battle will be legendary. But, uh, but okay, you can take second spot, but we'll see how the podcast goes if you get number one. We fight to the death. Out. Yeah. <laughs> there can only be one. So oh. are you guys, uh, what what are your neurodiversities? Like, what, what do you get? What do you, what do you got? Oh, you're going to hear all about our neurodiversities. But before we get to that, before yeah. we jump into the awesome conversation, I want to let everyone out there know just where you can find, if you want to meet other people like me and Joseph and Raymond, and you want to talk to other overthinkers, we want to let you know where to go. You can go to our Overthinkers online Facebook group that has almost 10,000 members who are people like you who want to have fun thinking deeply with a lot of memes, a lot of memes. Uh, <laughs> we have polls and discussions and articles. I mean, once you're there, so please join the group. You can also go to our website at theoverthinkersjournal.com. We can find out more about your hosts. And like Raymond, you can send us ideas for upcoming episodes and maybe even get featured on the podcast and come on and talk about your idea with us because we love hearing from you. We love all of your love mail and we will accept your hate mail sometimes. Uh, so please head over to the overthinkersjournal.com. And if you do enjoy the episode, please leave us a review. Uh, it really does help us so much. We are so close to 100 reviews. Um, and if you enjoy it, obviously share with a friend because we want to add overthinkers to our ranks. And that's it. Joseph? Cool. Yes. Okay. So we're going to, I'm going to run us through the intro and then uh, we'll start the discussion because this is this is a lot of fun. We wanted to have Raymond on for a long time and uh and by the way, I want to answer his question, but it's going to take a while because I have a few. <laughs> it's like it's like someone says, so what are your neurodivergencies? And Nathan's like, how long do you have? Yeah, how long so, do wait. you have? So is is Joseph or are you the one with uh, with the ADHD? No, no, Joseph's the normie over here. I, I am. I'm yes, the one I, with all the fun you're stuff. You're the one, Nathan, you're the one with the ADHD, right? 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, I am. I'm feeling outnumbered today as the as the boring neurotypical as I uh, laid out. <laughs> Very important question here. Um, are you uh, a person that loves math or hates math? Who me? Um, yes. I'm the, I, <laughs> I, I hold right into this uh, it, most politically correct way I can. I despise math, <laughs> but I love yes, you, people who are good yes. at math. And yes, can yes. do math for me. <laughs> that's the right. That's the right answer. Okay. Uh, you are. You're in my ADHD team that hates math. There is some ADHD people out there that love math, and I'm like, how can you? Respect <sighs> to them. Respect yes, to them. There you go. But Our but uh, I do respect people that that uh, appreciate math, and th they're the ones that are doing all the calculus and all the yeah. all the important. I am stuff. a neurotypical who also hates math, and so we appreciate all the people out there who do it, so we don't have to. Exactly. All right. Well, now the neurotypical here is going to get us down to where we're going to actually get do the intro before we do discussion. Ugh, muggles. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, all right. So according to the Oxford Dictionary, neurodivergent means differing in mental or neurological function for what is considered typical or normal, frequently used in reference to autistic spectrum disorders. As told by Psychology Today, the concept of neurodiversity refers to the idea that neurological differences, such as those seen in autism or ADHD, reflect normal variations in brain development. Neurodiversity is often contrasted with the medical model, which views conditions like autism or ADHD as disorders to prevent, treat, or cure. There's been a push to move away from this idea of pathology and move towards a more nuanced perspective with variations of what is normal. Studies like those cited in the Forbes piece, Neurodiversity as a Strengthening Point for Your Team and Society, show that between about at least 15 to 20% of the U.S. can be classified as neurodiverse. While the neurodiversity framing of brain differences is still controversial, the rise of this model has opened the door for a lot more people with diagnosis of things like ADHD and autism to tell about their experiences from their point of view rather than being uh, told what they are like by other people. So, Raymond. You put yourself out there as somebody who's willing to have conversations about being neurodivergent um, and both the good and the bad about it. So what are some of the best things about your life that you found from being neurodivergent? And what were some of the hardest things? Right. Um, yes. So as I grew up, um, I, I didn't know I had ADHD. Um, uh, I was diagnosed in college. So once I got there into college, when I found out, when I started researching ADHD properly, uh, I actually ran into a, like an existential crisis because of all the positive mm. things, all the positive traits it has. Uh, I just thought like, oh, so I'm, I'm just this person just because of my disorder. But I was mm. like... Then I was like, but wait, like, it, so what? <laughs> so what? Like, uh, God still, still loves me the way I am. Other people accept me the way I am. They love who I am as a person. So if this is part of what made me who I am, then I, I should be happy, not sad about it. Um, so basically, the, the positives I can say are my creativity, uh, my drive to to like keep on going in life, just trying to make a, something new, something better, uh, mm. something that 
impacts people, uh, a brand new idea, just a bunch of ideas and stories in my head. Um, I am not, I'm not the ADHD smart people. I am the ADHD creatives people. (laughs) (laughs) Creativity is intelligence. Uh, Yes, yes, that is right. Um, It it is my, it it is the intelligence uh, uh, that I have. Um, I, I really like being around people like I, I, ADHD makes me humble. Uh, it makes me empathize more with people. Hmm. It's something that, um, helps me be, uh, have interesting ideas, be, be more, um, outside of the box basically, or, or, uh, or like yeah. Sahori, or like Sahori said in one of my at one of the uh, podcasts she was in, there's no box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, there's no box for for neurodivergent people, especially us with ADHD. We don't even recognize a box. Yeah. <laughs> what is uh, a box? <laughs> I, I, I'm willing to take risks, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm very spontaneous, so I, I'll take a rash decision. Uh, of course, thinking about the pros and the cons. But I always, uh, I'm the kind of person that, that looks at, uh, like, I have the money. Why shouldn't I have a Spider-Man Lego set? You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, this is great. You? Raymond, I love this because I, I experienced some in a, a different way in a different time uh, period, but a lot of the same kind of things you did. Cause I was diagnosed a little earlier. I was diagnosed um, with ADHD and a slew of other things, dyslexia, OCD, which I actually do consider part of my neurodivergence because neurodivergence at its core, at its definition is a, essentially your mind works differently than perhaps the norm. And so yeah. all these things add up to my mind working differently. And very early on when I got diagnosed with these things, it was very clear the difficulties with my quote neurodivergence, the, the things that made my life hard about having ADHD or OCD or dyslexia, whatever it might be, learning disabilities. But so, so yeah, so that, that was kind of my early experience when I when I found out I had these things, all of a sudden I felt very separated. I felt very alone. I would be in classes and say, why does all of this stuff make sense to everyone around me, but not mm. me? And all of a sudden I felt like the crazy almost like an animal who was not quite human like everyone else. Mm. It's a very separating experience. And I, I felt dumb very often. I felt, and one of the things that always came up for me, and I talked to a therapist that helped me articulate, I felt like I was too much. I felt the way mm. I talked, the way I asked questions, my creativity, the thing I would bounce from one idea to another and had a hard time focusing. So I felt too much. I felt dumb. I felt separated. So I was, it was very early on that I felt this, um, difficulty. I felt the difficulties of being neurodiverse, but it wasn't until when I got a little bit older and I started seeing that it seemed some success in my life and seen some creative pursuits and, and started watching how actually the way that my brain was designed, even though it came with its own difficulties, even though I struggled very often with focus or I struggled with my OCD thoughts or obsessions, I did struggle. So it's not that it was a, a lack of struggle, but I did notice that the way that my brain was designed actually had really positive elements. And you named so many of them. It was the creativity. It was a spontaneity. It was the being able to see things from different points of view. The great sense of humor. Yes, humor. And, well, and that's, uh, that's, that's debatable for Nathan. <laughs> no, that's, 
That's scientifically proven. Yeah, two against one, Joseph. You got to take it. Two against one. I'm not saying. I'm not saying about ADHD. I'm saying about Nathan. Pacheco. Just specifically. <laughs> but no, I saw that my mind all of a sudden is maybe it's kind of was an acting school, and I first went to New York. Oh, and especially within a creative environment mm-hmm. like an acting school, I saw that my way my brain was designed was actually good if I could find the place to apply it. Cause I almost went to a four-year college. I'm, I haven't gone to college and I, and I, you know, just to follow my friends and study whatever it was I thought I should do. Right. But I decided to pr- pursue my creative pursuits. And for some people that can like college, for some people that's acting school, like it was me for some that's starting a business, whatever it might be. But I decided to move in the direction where my strengths would be yeah. valued and I could actually build on them. And all of a sudden, it was, I was probably 1920. I said, I'm so thankful for my neurodivergence. Mm-hmm. So I'm, yeah. I've always been, it's been, it's been interesting for me because I, I struggle, right? My mind works differently and that makes life hard. Sometimes it makes my personal life, even my social life makes it difficult, but I'm also, I wouldn't trade the way mine was, my mind was built for the world. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. M- maybe, maybe it's because of, um, you know, the difference in, in time where, where I was raised, right? But um, where I'm right now at the moment, because I, I found out so, so fast about the positives, like I was diagnosed. And then in, within a year or two, I already saw all the positives. And I started looking at these YouTube channels talking about yeah. uh, like how it's like to have ADHD. Why, uh, what are our strengths hmm. instead yes. of our weaknesses? Uh, <clears throat> because if you look up at a, at a regular, so what, what are the uh, like, you know, the, um, the symptoms of ADHD? Like if you look at something like that, uh, you're gonna find out something very that that makes me very angry. <laughs> hmm, yeah. <clears throat> so um, it, it, it's always defined like if it's kind of like our fault. Hmm. Like it, it's not. Like there's something, something wrong. Yeah, like there's something wrong. Um, so, so they don't here, mention here positives. Like, yeah, I read a few. This is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let me show you here what, what it says. Uh, day, daydream a lot. Forget or lose things a lot. Squirm or fidget. Talk too much. Make careless mistakes or take un, unnecessary risks. Have hard time uh, resi- resisting temptations. Have trouble taking turns. Have difficulties getting along with people. <laughs> this, this sounds like it was written by Mrs. Sure? Umbridge. This sounds yeah. like it was written by Mrs. Umbridge from is, Harry Potter. Well, this is actually love, interesting. Oh, sorry, yeah, go, go, go for it. Yeah, yeah, jump this in. This is an interesting aspect. And I want to ask you sort of a question about it, but Nathan tried first, we'll get to him for it. But one of the things I think is interesting is that um, one thing we find is that boys are often diagnosed with ADHD a lot more than girls are. And they're typically diagnosed mm. when they're in school, when they're in an environment where it's your, your job is to sit there and do what you're told and do, you know, not be active. And I was like really that. not good at that. <laughs> yeah, and 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 people who are again who are more bodily kinesthetic, who are more you know uh, who are more active learners, you know, as I say, talk about that, you know, it's like that's you know that is considered to be like a di- disorder in an environment mm. that is extremely unnatural, and yeah. it's interesting again, like the things that you're listing are the facts that like 
you can't, I mean, like my mom talked about this, how like, you know, what was it? When I was in preschool, one of the teachers said, you know, said, you know what, Fran, you know, he's like, your child has trouble with transitions. It's like, he mm-hmm. didn't want to stop playing with the toys in order to do lunchtime. Like, which is like, like, that's not having trouble with transitions. That's called being a preschooler. And yeah. so there does seem to be a thing where our society in its very artificial setups is saying, this is the way that your brain has to be in order to be a functional person. And that, um, and doing really normal things that, you know, and, and have is considered disorderly, like all the things you just listed, you know, it's like, that's, that's not disorderly. That's just being daydreaming. A, yes. Like, daydreaming is bad now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I, but I do want to kind of ask you, like, was that because you say you were only diagnosed when you were um, when you're in college? Did you experience a lot of the things that um, Nathan's talking about, about like feeling dumber than other people, feeling misunderstood or things like yeah. that when you're and you just too much, too much, not yeah, enough. things like that? Yes, uh, it, 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 I did. I did, honestly. Uh, but. I had no diagnosis or nothing to prove that I was different. So I was mistreated. I was, mm. I was, uh, my ears were pulled. I was taken by the scrub of my neck, mm. uh, by teachers. Wow. Was, teachers. Uh, wow. Yeah. Two teachers, uh, during like literally fourth grade and, and third grade, two teachers physically wow. came up to me and, I either pull in my ear or tug me by my color and race me up because I wasn't uh, paying attention. Um, you were a kid being literally assaulted by adults because you yeah. were you learned differently. Them kids alone. Exactly. And the, the, the crazy thing is that I've always been a good student. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the biggest setback here with me because there's people with ADHD that can't adjust. And, and this is the difference I think is that when you're comorbid, which is what you mentioned, Nathan, um, you have more than one condition. Yeah. Yep. It's easier to handle the ADHD, whether uh, you use anxiety or you use your um, other, other conditions that you have or autism basically to, or OCD to kind of deal with those, uh, with the ADHD symptoms. Uh, and, uh, I think I've, I've been trying to get a diagnosis, but I, I think I'm also autistic and that could Mm. be the reason why I was a little better at school. Now there are uh, other people that have ADHD that are, uh, super smart because they are, uh, gifted, like they're, they have ADHD and they're also gifted. I think we're all uh, yeah. gifted for sure. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, the, the high, high pH. Yeah, sure. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like the, the school gifted, you know what yes. I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, high SAT IQ. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Where, <laughs> where it's kind of well. like, yes. anyone who is outside of that system box of yeah. that system box is considered different or gifted or crazy or weird. Uh, and I was all those things, uh, and growing up, the biggest thing I came up with myself is that I was responsible, but Mm. lazy at the same time. 
because people. Well, this is interesting. This is I want to I want to jump in here. This is interesting. Yeah. I found a lot. I love that because you said you're lazy and uh, responsible at the same time. A lot of times I find that neurodivergent people have these seemingly opposite things about them. Like they even yeah. talk about ADHD, right? We're all over the place, but then they have this whole concept of the ADHD focus, the super focus where we get super, and when everything is suddenly out and all we can see is the thing we're working on. And I think yep. that sometimes those incongruencies, especially within a very structured and um, world with teachers and there's structures and there's tests and there's boundaries, right? It can, it can be hard to understand and define because you have these things that are seemingly uh, contradictory. And, mm. but, and so I think that's an interesting thing about being neurodiverse is a lot of times, one, people don't understand you. And yeah. two, one of the best things yes. you can do is realize the world might never understand you. And I'm so glad you mentioned this earlier because I think, how old are you, Raymond? I can't remember. 23. 23. So you're 10 years, you're exactly 10 years younger than me. And so it's amazing how much has changed in this 10 years. When Ooh. I was, um, when I went through this at 10 years younger than you, I was experiencing these kinds of things. And there wasn't those YouTube videos. There yeah. wasn't, they said, okay, just put him on a pill. You know, this is a bad yeah. thing. He needs to be sedated. And so I didn't necessarily have, it. I'm so thankful that there is people like you who have a podcast about this and that there's YouTubers and that there's resources and books but I th think even with all those things, much of society doesn't know what to think, make, or do yeah. with us. And even though there is these resources for us, at least emotionally, that we can connect to, I think a lot of societies very often, what do we do with these people? You know, I didn't fit in. I can't. It's I, I couldn't have got the normal jobs. I couldn't have done the normal school. And so I think for a lot of neurodivergent people, one of the things that they struggle with and I have struggled with is where do I fit? I don't fit in. And then when you find that you don't fit into the world or society, whatever it might be, you start yeah. thinking that there's something inherently wrong and bad with you. And uh, I think that's a really difficult thing. And very often what you find with neurodivergent people too, is that they experience high, high rates of depression. And I think yeah. a lot of it yeah. is as a result of not being able to find where they fit and then feeling consistently bad about how they work. And that's, I was so grateful for the family I have that celebrated me. I'm so grateful for the friends yeah. I have that celebrate my differences. But I think a lot of people and me <clears> very often, especially out in the world before I had those friends who understood those things about me, it can feel very lonely and you can feel like there's something inherently wrong with you. And I think that's so detrimental yeah. and difficult for kids well, to deal with. One of the things that I've seen, again, you know, in my conversations with, you know, neurodivergent identifying people um, is the, the, the relief. And I want to see if, if you um, identify with this, Raymond, is that some of the relief that comes with a diagnosis, um, because, you know, until then, there is this thing of like, I'm just stupid or there's something wrong with me yeah. to a certain degree there's a character flaw in me like you say be yeah. like being responsible yeah. and lazy well if if you're lazy it's a character flaw it's like but yeah. if you know th my brain works differently and you know brain working differently can come with good things and bad things but it's not something that's your fault and it's something mm. that we can actually understand and we can work around and again, you say like this way the world maybe has changed. Maybe even celebrate like, oh, and use. Maybe even celebrate exactly. And and you have um, you know, these YouTube channels that you can go to now, where it's like people can discuss and say, hey, here's how it works, and here's ways. You know, again, it's like being an introvert or extrovert. It's like, oh, here's the ways we're similar. Here's ways we're different. And yeah. here's how I can maximize the good that's um yes. in, in in this. Um, 
But I actually was wondering, I wanted if you, you to talk about a little bit, Raymond, because we have mentioned your podcast a couple of times. Um, like what inspired you to, because you have a podcast, you know, that's, that's about having discussions, you know, with neurodivergent yeah. people and discussing these things. What inspired you to, to do that podcast about your experiences and what, what have been some of the conversations that you've had with people on, on there uh, and, and some of the things you've learned and kind of uh, about from that? And when am I going to be invited yes. on? <laughs> I, I was going to invite you at the end. I know it's a joke, but I was going to invite you at the end. Yes. Uh, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, my friend. But uh, let me let me see if I got all the questions because um, I <laughs> what inspired you in the first place to make this podcast. Yeah. So uh, as Nathan was mentioning, uh, I'm sorry, jo- Joseph, you you were mentioning uh, neurodiverse people come in and they have they don't have their diagnosis. They think there's something wrong with them, uh, and then they found out, oh, this is it. You know. Uh, I felt like that. I felt so, I felt so bad for being lazy because my, even mm-hmm. my parents would call me lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, and other people, uh, and I identified I've with that. I've heard this before too. About me. I, I yep. said, I, I was like, you know what? If people are going to call me lazy, I am the laziest person alive then. I'm lazy. Yeah, because you, and- you ingest it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm 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 responsible and I'm lazy. Like that makes no sense, but that's what I am. <laughs> uh, but um, when I got the diagnosis, um, uh, I uh, I signed up for like a uh, like a university uh, email thing for neurodiverse people, and the first email I received said, "You're not lazy." You have ADHD. And I just started crying. Wow. I oh, did yeah. that just hit me. I just started crying. And I did not know that that was a scar. Like I, I didn't mm. know that was trauma. Like I I I, yeah. I identify with this thing for so long, but I didn't know it was deeply affecting me until I started yes. bawling my eyes out. Oh yeah. I've like, had those moments. And when oh, all of a sudden you realize, oh, I'm not. There's, I'm not inherently wrong or bad. That the, yeah. All these things that you've taken that have been said about you and you've taken and put them on and take the, oh, this is just me. I'm bad or dumb or too much or lazy, whatever it might be. And that moment of freedom when you go, no, yeah. you're not inherently bad. I totally, yeah. Yeah, and I still struggle with rejection-sensitive dysphoria, uh, which is something that it, it's kind of like when you feel like you don't belong and people oh, yeah. keep keep rejecting you uh, or people left you before. So it's kind of curates a little bit of abandonment issues where you're like, there's something wrong with me. Even, even when I was coming, even when like I was coming into the podcast here today, uh, when I was 10 minutes late, I was like, Oh my gosh, they're going to hate me. They're talking like crap about me behind my back. I know you guys are not doing that. Like I I know because I rationalize it. In my head, I'm like, yeah. no, that's not what's going on, Raymond. They're 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 nice people. They're great. We just kept uh, on talking about movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really did was. We actually for, did. Yeah. Thank you for the rea- reaffirmation. Because, yeah. Because the, the 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 question of what are they saying when I'm not around yeah. is something mm. that really affects me. But anyways, uh, I get this hereka moment where I'm like. 
if I feel like this about about if the world doesn't understand ADHD to the point where people just think my stuff is just getting distracted, mm. then I should make a podcast where I actually explain to people because every single person I know asks me like says to me like like oh you have ADHD so you have like distraction problems I'm like no it's way more than that not, not <laughs> quite yeah <laughs> that's like when I it, and this is across the board by the way ever I think anyone who struggles with any kind oh, of mental illness or neurodiverse you say oh I'm OCD oh I like my I like my pencil straight too <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, have, I have depression oh I've been oh, sad before too no yeah. <laughs> exactly there okay i said really... that one time Nathan. yeah <laughs> that, and that's and that's called internalized ableism joseph <laughs> <laughs> called out oh snap <laughs> <laughs> no but this is something that i'm really advocating for uh is destroying the ableism in people's minds that's what mm. the podcast is about is it, it, it of course we're not i'm not gonna that's not gonna happen mm. the same way race it might with one person yeah exactly Two or three yeah exactly that is the purpose if i was able to change one person's mind i did my job Absolutely. like i i agree uh, uh i agree with that uh <laughs> but it's something that i'm i'm trying to do and my biggest focus is because in this, the normal world, the outside world, everyone is discovering about neurodiversities and we are getting talked more and more and more. Hmm. Now, my biggest issue is that the main place where there's a congregation of people with various neurodiversities is called church. Hmm. Um, but it's the worst place in, in, in the sense, because those people that are in there that technically a, a lot of them have neurodiversities don't accept that they have yes. that neurodiversity. Yep. All right, sure, yeah. Because they see it as an inherent, like we've all talked about, they see it as an inherent wrong that needs to be fixed, that God needs to fix about them rather than or maybe this is a beautiful thing that God created you in. Exactly. Isn't it more isn't it more amazing to think that the creator of the universe didn't just make one single specific brain and then that's it? Like mm. that he created so many different vi variabilities that and, and randomized them so that at once when a person gives birth, there's a change yeah. in how that person thinks. Well, and 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 that thinking differently might actually provide, you look at all the inventors throughout history, they thought differently. That thinking yeah, yes. differently is good. And one of the things I want to, this will, and I'll include Joseph here a little bit. I'll include the normie. You can come on oh, in. Oh, thank God. <laughs> so, you know, we have more easily defined, maybe not easily, but we have defined um, neurodiverse uh, elements of part of our brain. And even mental illnesses for me in that they're defined by um, psychology and stuff. But my firm belief is even though ours make us very difficult and make life very difficult in a lot of ways, I think that every human brain is unique in some way, shape, or form. And rather than trying to have every brain conform to this idea of normal, I would rather say, look at how God created the universe. It is filled with variety and beauty 
there there isn't it's not black and white it is an endless yeah. spectrum of colors yes. it's not just one bird it is a billion different species and kinds of birds and so what i want to encourage people either with or without defined neurodivergence is that the things that make you different are the things that are great and wonderful yes. about you and they will come with difficulties but there's also wonderful and beautiful things that can be useful in the world. Be yourself cause no one else can do that thing like you do. Well, so this is one thing I'll say that's that's interesting to bring church in because again, all of us come from Christian backgrounds. And so this is a something that we that as a discuss part of the discussion that resonates very deeply with us. Um yeah. and and I know again talking to both of you how that particularly in the realm of neurodivergency and mental illness, like the fact that many churches don't um don't have neurodiversity as part of the language that they use to yeah. talk about these things. And part of the reason for this is I'm going to, I'm going to stick up sort of for the churches here uh, for mm -hmm. a minute is that, you know, part of the narrative that's built into Christianity and church mm -hmm. is that um, not simply that there people are different, but there are flaws and problems with human beings that do need yeah. to be redeemed restored and fixed. You know, Jesus by, by some, not all, and not you guys, I'm not talking to you guys, but by some definitions of ableism, Jesus was one of the great ableists because he cured the blind. He, you know, brought hearing to the deaf. He did help the lame to walk. And so there are things that, you know, for the Christians who see Jesus mm -hmm. primarily as the healer and the restorer of the broken, you know, yeah. the idea that, oh, to basically map that onto everything that yeah. is that is a makes sense to them because that's a, you know and they a categorize of, being neurodiverse as broken as one that's of those things problem and the problem that's the thing is the problem is and this is the thing that i always go is that don't ever map one thing onto everything yes yeah. there are broken things that need to be fixed and healed by jesus or by whatever but not everything is that just because something is different doesn't make that one of those things and you have to take it on a case-by-case -case basis and neurodiversity yes. just because a person thinks differently than you <laughs> doesn't make them broken healed from that yeah yes yeah. <laughs> uh, but 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 joseph you forgot something depression is a demon OCD oh yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well and that's the other thing again when you a map one thing on everything and that's the yeah, thing is, no, I don't, like, again, I think that, you know, demonic possession is real and can be a thing, but that doesn't yeah, mean yeah, that yeah. everything is demonic possession. Exactly. Like it's a case yeah. by case thing. Yeah. Well, and, and I agree and with Raymond. Oh, go ahead. Go for it. That's something that uh, I do want to mention that when I can't talk for the whole people, neurodiverse community, that's why I bring people to talk about their neurodiversity. I can't be like, hey, like I have ADHD, so I can talk about every single neurodiversity there is. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure you can. You're fine. Uh, Who I are can, these I spokesmen can, now? I yes. can just like, yeah. And that's the problem with people like um, uh, autistic mothers or uh, like mothers mm. that have kids that are autistic yeah, yeah. or uh, uh, like people with uh, ADHD children, they think here. Here's the funny thing here over there in the in the page uh, that I was reading. Right, one of the, the funniest thing here is this. Check this out. The symptoms continue can be uh, severe and can cause difficulty at school, at home, and with friends. Right, and what it says here that is that. The only way to find out that somebody has ADHD is by talking to their friends, talking to their parents, and talking to the school. And I'm like, 
what a, what about the person that has it? Person. <laughs> this is interesting. I, I love that we talk, we've talked about kind of different ways in life that, especially in, in exterior speaking, that neurodiversity is perceived and understood in both in schools and in church. And I'd just say across the board, I don't think um, anyone yeah. is actually, is, I think that everyone's kind of guilty of this, is what I want yes. people to understand is these things that are different are not things that necessarily need to be fixed. Now, yes. and I think that's the difficulty that you're going to, that a lot of us have faced in school, church, wherever it might be, work, um, just because something's different doesn't mean it necessarily needs to be fixed. And in fact, it might be something you should actually encourage and promote because yeah. it could bring about ingenuity yes. and invention yes. and creativity. But there's one thing I want to focus, I want to, I want to explore real quick before we wrap up. And yeah. that I would want to focus on the ways, because we've talked about this, the beautiful way that we've been created, right? The, this is good. They're the good things about this. I want to talk a little bit about the ways that I have, and I'll let you speak to your, your own story, Raymond, mm -hmm. but the things that I think every person, no matter what your difference is, has to learn to grow. And we've talked about the yeah. difficulties yes. of it, but one of the things I've learned is I am neurodiverse and I've learned to celebrate and accept this. I've also learned that it's also an opportunity for me to grow. And so mm. believe it or not, with my ADHD, I love my ADHD. I love that I can jump from one creative project to another and jump in the water and do things and get out there. But I've also learned by being with people who aren't neurodiverse that there's value in learning to focus. And there's sometimes yes. value in learning to um, uh, uh, pump the brakes before I just jump into something too much. And so what, I, what I've been trying to learn is say, do two things at one time, which is can, can be difficult. One, I love my neurodiverse mind that makes me creative and impulsive and, and, and uh, ready to jump in. But also there's things to be learned from minds that aren't like mine, that are yeah. different than mine. And so being friends with or, uh, people who think, again, differently than the neurodiverse people, I've learned yeah. from them. And so I would encourage you know, the, the non-neurodiverse people see this as a wonderful, yeah. and beautiful thing and maybe even learn from it. Learn how to be yeah. more spontaneous, more creative, focus on more things. And maybe us neurodiverse people can also learn from the people around us and say, okay, I love this about me, but I'm also going to grow in whatever it might be. So this has been a new kind of interesting thing for me. Have you found that, Raymond? Have you found that there's also, even within our strength and our love for this, there's also ways to grow? Yes, uh, definitely. Uh, I'll give you the serious answer first. Yes, uh, I believe that um, it is something that we need to learn. And that's the main idea that I'm trying to bring with my podcast is that the people that I have brought in, none of them, even people with anxiety, people mm -hmm. with, 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 with like ADHD, autism, people with, uh, with uh, BPD, which was what Sahori has, they all, all of them, even if they have all these struggles where they can't find positive things about their neurodiversities, because try mm. to try to tell a schizophrenic to find something positive about their, yeah. uh, their disorder, you know, yeah. um, there are conditions and they are like uh, Joseph was saying, uh, it's a case by case where you have to be like, okay, maybe not all these disorders need to be celebrated. Uh, but there are some that are, uh, maybe not all neuro neurodiversities are positive, but accepting it leads yes. you to grow because Amen. it's not just about 
because a lot of people have ADHD. A lot of people have autism. You know what the difference is between uh, uh, people, uh, the people I have met is that the people that have ADHD that were told they have ADHD, but have not accepted it and have not really investigated about anything. They, they just let other people tell them what their condition is and not mm. look for themselves in themselves and to other people that have the condition, what is what it actually is, they have fallen into depression. They have fallen into yeah. a, a, a negative view of, of their condition. They think that they're worthless, that they're broken, and they have to, they can't go get a job. They can't go get an education. Yeah. I'm too stupid. It's I'm too sentence. dumb. I have, yeah. I have ADHD exactly. So it's a, in fact, in Canada, they legalized uh, suicide for people who have, uh, who are, um, who have any disorder. So even mm. if, if you're, uh, or, or people, or, or people who have, um, you know, uh, people, uh, what, uh, depression, maybe. Yeah. A lot of, the yeah, yeah. Depression. They, anxiety. they see that as a viable option for people struggling with a neurohypergent mind. Yeah. Yes. They just, they just legalized it. And I was like, what so yeah. if you're different your options are kill yourself kill yourself really you should do it there's a really nothing to it just uh grab a mug and chug a couple lighter fluid <laughs> or get medicated or yeah they didn't legalize this for everybody they legalized it for people who are different to say yeah yeah mm. if you're different if your mind works differently then that's you might a valid consider reason. You not I would be fine. I would be fine with the Futurama suicide thing, where where everybody gets to commit suicide. You know, <laughs> right. like, you know they they just point make twenty five really cents and, and you you but, get killed. <laughs> but, like, but that's a perfect example of how people see, yeah. um, people who think differently and work differently, yeah. whose minds are different. That that literally death is a viable cure for this. And yeah, and before we wrap up, what I want to say to anybody out there, be yeah. you. Whether you're neurodivergent or not, what I hope this podcast and Raymond's podcast can do is one, let you know that you're created beautifully and wonderfully. And yeah. even though you might, like Raymond pointed out, there might be some really struggle, big struggles, and yeah. even things that you need to overcome and work through um, with how your mind works. Maybe it's depression, maybe it's BPD or OCD. Um, that your mind is still beautiful and yeah. the way your mind works can bring beauty and goodness to the world. And that whatever you have been, been diagnosed with is not a sentence necessary. It's not just, it's just that needs to be cured with death or pills or whatever it might be that the way you work and your mind works is, has the potential. And I'd say it could very much be um, benefited from a relationship with God uh, has the potential to bring beauty and goodness to the world. So whatever you feel and has been said about you, whether you're lazy, you're dumb, you're too much. Um, if you can, I know it's almost impossible, cast those things off and begin investigating uh, both the hardships and the difficulties of the way your mind works, as well as the beautiful and life-giving uh, parts of the way your mind works. Unpopular opinion neurodiverse people are better christians 
<laughs> and I'm out. Yeah. That's Pharisee talk coming here. I will not have that Pharisee be, talk on the podcast. It could be slightly biased, but uh, <laughs> we did ask Raymond to say something controversial so we can uh, we can get some good letters in. Exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. We'll we'll clip that for the TikTok and get. Yeah, but on to blesses and curses. Yes. We really get to talk about the important stuff. Movies. Yes. <laughs> All right, and of course, as people know. Blessings and Curses is where we take something on our topic, take our topic and then recommend something, a piece of art, media, or resource on this, uh, and something we want to recommend, i.e. bless, or something we want to uh, tell you to stay away from, uh, i.e. curse, uh, which the Barbara Streisand effect will mean you'll probably check it out just because we mentioned it, but we want to be on record as saying that you're a bad person if you do. Um, so, uh, <laughs> Raymond, would you like to go first or last? Last. I really want to okay. hear you. Save best for last. Awesome. Uh, do you want me to go first, uh, Nathan? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, we'll, right, cool. we'll let the normies start. Yeah, cool, exactly. Cool, cool. Yes. <laughs> we, we, like to, we like to be first in line, us normies. Um, so I'm going to uh, start out with a couple blesses. My first bless is going to be uh, actually A Beautiful Mind, which I just recently watched. Um, yeah. And I really like it because I think it's, it's a really good, it's one of the first movies that mainstream movies that came out that was really mm. attempting to help, you know, neurotypicals to yeah. understand um, and sympathize with, you know, uh, how somebody could think differently and it could be both a curse and a blessing. And so yeah. again, it's kind of seen as quaint nowadays because we typically want the stories about neurodiverse people to be written for and from the perspective of somebody who is neurodiverse. And this is much more written for the neurotypical. But I think for people who are neurotypical, this is really helpful to get inside that space and to learn yeah. how to appreciate and celebrate both, again, the bad and the good. You get a stamp of approval on that one. Poof. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yes. Two. Two stamps. I got the neurodivergent stamp of approval. Yes. Awesome. Um, <laughs> A second bless I'm going to do, and this is more modern, is I'm actually going to bless um, Steven Universe because mm. <laughs> oh, I got the they got the, get the positive gasp. Two stamps in one episode. But because for me, again, I thought you know I think fantasy, and particularly, and it's it's weird to call it children's, but like you know, sort of children's fantasy. I think one of the best things about it is using sci-fi, using you know fantasy in order to explore ideas. That we're, that we're struggling with as, as the new generation is struggling with and wrestling with. And I think that one of the things Steven Universe does, it does it sort of from a child, it takes adult topics from a childlike lens. And one of the things it tries to do is people who think differently, people who see the world differently, mm. who operate differently, you know, how, how can we appreciate each other? What are the drawbacks? What are the benefits? I think it's one of the best modern examples of a show yeah. trying to uh, a piece of art and mythos, a myth that's trying to struggle with that. Now, do I think they always get it right, their answers in every time? No, of course not. But I think that they are attempting at least to wrestle with it. And I think, again, for people who maybe don't understand that world, you know, people who do understand that world, I think that they will actually be able to express some of the things they've been thinking and, and never, you know, that's one of the reasons it's popular. People are like, yes, that's me. I, I That's exactly how I relate. And for people who don't, you'll be able to understand better what the new generation of people who are using this to, to, to wrestle with these ideas, what they how they are, are conceptualizing themselves. Um, Steven Universe was the reason why I discovered I had trauma because Steven wow. Universe Future mm. and Steven Universe Future dealt with that, with the scars of the past. He was an innocent child 
that it was everything is positive, everything is good, everything is nice. And that was me when I was a kid. And then to learn the same lesson at the same time as the character wow. was kind of like in that moment where they show you like his flashbacks. I had my flashbacks and I realized wow. I have trauma and I have to mm-hmm. deal with this now. Oh, that's incredible. So yeah, yeah. Uh, cool. So good. I've, I've got the, I, I, my instincts for writing on my blessings. One episode. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, can, I can die happy now. Um, so then curses. So I'm going to, I think I'd probably just do one curse time, but this, I'm, I'm going to curse um, the Joker filmed by Todd Phillips. Yeah. Um, artist, artistically, I think the first it's act amazing. and the third act have some really good aspects to it. I think artistically. Sure. Second Definitely act. entertaining, interesting. Yeah, second act, it kind of falls apart, you know, for me, but generally speaking, what I don't like about the movie and the reason I kind of ultimately dislike it more than I like it is it does, it falls into the two tropes that I think are, two of the tropes that I think are, are, are most harmful about people's perspective on neurodivergency. One yeah. is that neurodiverse people are just, you know, to use the Joker expression from The Dark Knight, one bad day away from killing people. You know, it's yes. like mm. they're a razor's edge for, away from being dangerous and not be able to function by themselves in society. Um, but on the flip side, it's still all society's fault if they do. Yeah. And I think that those are two of the most toxic narratives around violence and neurodiverse people that we have. And it encourages both of those things in an exploitive way. It is really done by somebody who's not neurodiverse, who's sort of using the neurodiverse thing in order to explore ideas he finds interesting that ultimately I think are toxic. So that's why he's he's praised at the end for his for the way he acts when like even people who are neurodiverse we're still accountable yeah. for our interesting wrong. yes good call that's an yeah, excellent so point. we still have Again. a moral obligation regardless of our interesting yeah. that's a that's a bad way you can go huh yeah cool all right so nathan all right well i have a few you know this is interesting for me because we, we've done episodes on on um mental illness and, and mental varieties that that fall outside the norm um, so, you know, I, I, I've blessed things like Monk before, and I know that some people didn't like this growing up. What, what I loved about Monk is that you see a man struggling with the way his mind works, but also plays into him actually yeah. overcoming evil and, and providing good and beautiful things in the world. And I, another one of these is funny. There are a lot of our detectives. Another one of these shows that I felt <laughs> I felt kind of seen by. And I was like, oh, that's nice. It was cathartic and it was nice and comforting to watch, funnily enough was Sherlock, the one with Benedict hmm. Cumberbatch who came out a few yeah. years ago. Sherlock, it doesn't actually talk in diagnost, uh, in diagnosable terms about what he necessarily has, but it's very obvious he is neurodivergent, yes. right? Yeah. His, the way he thinks, the way he acts, um, and it's very obvious that all his friends know. But what it shows <laughs> is a really honest depiction of the struggles and even how he can hurt his friends and how it can be destructive if he doesn't learn and mature with them, but it also shows that because of his differences, because his mind works differently, he's able to overcome and conquer evil. And that gives that gave me at the time, I was really struggling with my mind. I was I hit one of those dark kind of moments in my life in which I was like, I, I don't like the way my mind works. And I watched that because it made me feel alone. And I watched it and it shows Sherlock feeling alone, but it also shows that the way his mind works and his neurodiverse 
uh, a brain actually can be the conduit to his story, to telling a good story and and doing something beautiful and good in the world. And you see his friends both call him out when he needs to learn and also celebrate the, mm-hmm. that his mind is different. So I really, and honestly, it's just really fun. Oh, I really yeah. enjoy this. It's great TV. Series. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm also going to bless another one that came to my mind. Uh, this is a classic, especially for families. If you want to kind of introduce these themes, if you have young kids who can kind of see, oh, their their minds work a little different, is The Incredibles. I think we've blessed The Incredibles yeah. a lot okay. on this sure. show. Yeah. But the incredible, and it's not about <laughs> for good reason. Neuro, yes, exactly. Well, it's not about mental illness and being neurodiverse, but it is about how everyone is different, and that's yes. good, and it's a beautiful thing. And I, especially for families, start capturing that. That you know, and th- this is what one of the reasons I always love superheroes is because superheroes, you know, one of the the main tenets of it is that everyone has a different superpower, and it's yeah. entirely unique and different. And that when superheroes and use their unique powers that's how they defeat evil that that is good that they are different I mean, from each other it's and not a stretch that. it's not a stretch to say that dash has adhd absolutely yeah. Yeah. everyone like, yes yeah it is, it is. he definitely yes. has it and, 100%. and and uh violet has like uh probably anxiety uh yeah, yeah. oh yeah it's yeah. extreme anxiety social anxiety yeah, so, but I love this because it. But they it show the parents like trying to help their kids yeah. navigate that. Yes, yes, yeah. So this is good that you're different. Yeah, um, and we're gonna and we're gonna figure out how to help you hone these differences yes. and learn and grow. But it's good. This that's a great. We haven't had one that's fixed. about families dealing with that together. Good point, Nathan. I yeah. think it's a great one to watch, and it's again, it's just super fun. Um, yeah. so I yeah. highly recommend that. Um, what am I going to curse? I feel like I should bless a couple books, but I've read a ton of them and I can't think of literally any of them. <laughs> you, can, you can bless your own books. Yes. Oh, you know, I will. I, I will. Um, oh no, I shouldn't have said anything. You know what? I have a podcast. I get to plug stuff. My house, my rules. Uh, <laughs> but th- this subject is near and dear to my heart, obviously, because it's part of my story. And my mom and I wrote a book from uh, called Different and it's uh, about being raised um, about raising an out-of-the-box neurodiverse mentally ill kid and being a neurodiverse mentally ill um, uh, kid. And so uh, I would encourage, if you were looking, it's not stats, it's not studies, it's story, it's our story of what it was like. But if you were someone who's feeling alone, either be you a mom or be you a kid um, in being neurodiverse or raising someone who's neurodiverse, take a look at the book. It's called Different. It's it's connected with a lot of people and their stories. And I think you might find something there. So check out different. Um, but now on to you curses. Have, so I just, you, also I have just your, you also have your picture book. You also have the book, the picture book. I do, yeah. If you want to introduce these things to really young kids, we wrote a picture book called Only You Can Be You, which again is celebrating the differences we all have. And um, yeah, start your kids off early. Why not start them off really young? That's really why we wrote the picture book is so you can introduce these themes of celebrating differences, even at a really young age. And so check out only you can be you as well, the picture book. Um, so, okay. That's my plug for all of my stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> I feel you, like my, I feel like my generation is more accepting nowadays of people well, with, yeah, uh, yeah. with disabilities. You got all the YouTube videos. <laughs> I'm so yeah. thankful for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I and we need more of it. We we are more yeah. accepting, but we also need more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is something to introduce to your kids. And now that I'm done plugging my own, stuff, but do know curses if you buy if you buy well if they buy one of my books, they're supporting a, a neurodiverse person, so they can feel oh, really yes. good about themselves. <laughs> you get your intersectional <laughs> points in. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> um, but my curse, I'm just doing one, and 
we didn't actually talk about it today on the podcast very much, but one of the reasons I think, or maybe it's a, a result of the reason that we have this negative view towards mm-hmm. neurodiverse and mental um, uh, mental differences being yeah. need of in, in need of being fixed is because very often within media, movies, TV yeah. shows, mm-hmm. we have used mental illness and people who are neurodiverse as um, bad guys. Bad guys, and yeah, I was gonna say yeah. as the foundation of villains, and so yeah. basically, oftentimes you'll see a villain as someone. Oh, well, they're mentally they're mentally ill, so they must be a villain, and they use mental illness yeah. as a conduit to make someone evil. And like you mentioned, um, there, there's plenty of movies, but the one that I really saw, and I think it, it, you could almost make an argument that it started with this, but Psycho. Psycho is mm. listen. I watched it. I go obviously. Hitchcock is a genius. He's a great director, but I did watch it for the first time a while ago. And while it was interesting and did things that no other movie had and directed well and acted well, all that, there was part of me that was watching it and that they said, here's a mentally ill character. You're allowed to hate him. And this is the reason. And so that was one of the reasons I want to curse psychos because it was one of the first times in cinema you see where you justify, you basically say the reason someone's evil is because they're mentally ill. And I really think- Oh yeah, add add. Uh, I was gonna say this is this is something, and this this um frustrated me as a fan of the superhero genre for a while, kind of in the yeah. '90s. Is that, it, and this I think this sort of started started with Freud and started with you know and 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 in the '60s and '70s, you know, we talk about Mindhunter being kind of like learning psychological mm. reasons around it, but it became sort of a trope for a lot of people who couldn't handle the idea of actual human evil to try to explain away evil as mental illness. Yeah, it's like, you know, because because we can't handle the fact that maybe people can actually just be evil. We wanted to try to explain it away psychologically as mental illness. And of course, maybe normal people could be evil, too. Yeah, exactly. We (laughs) didn't want to accept that normal people could just be evil because that was too scary for people. So they pushed Mm. it all off on the vulnerable population and said, no, 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 it's just crazy people who will do this sort of thing. You can you would do this thing where people would be like, you know, it became a trope. It's like, oh, the person is, you know, is blew themselves up. Well, they're crazy. They're a psychopath because nobody mm. would do that if they weren't, if they weren't mentally ill. And that became that, that I think was a philosophical fear people have that led to that extremely harmful trope. And it makes sense that, you know, uh, what's his face? Uh, Hitchcock would do that in like the sixties and seventies when a lot of those ideas and explanations were kind of trying to making their way through, but you're right. It does really reinforce those ideas in a really harmful well, and way. And I even think for the mentally ill or the neurodiverse kid watching these things, because mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to argue that a lot of their shootings or terrorist attacks have been committed by mentally ill people. I'm not arguing that away, but I think sure. a lot of times, if you say what we were talking about earlier, when people say something about you, if you're mentally ill, yeah. you're probably bad. Then you, like you said, Raymond earlier, uh, if you're if you have neurodiverse, you're lazy. I guess I'm lazy, and so you take it on as just something mm. true about yeah. you. Yeah. So if our media is saying you're mentally ill, which makes you evil, then you might just yeah. take that on as something true about you and act on it. And I'm not saying but, that's the only yeah. cause. I'm not saying that's the only. But I do think there's a danger there. But, and but so that's, that's the why thing. I like even even if and, and again, uh, I'm actually gonna end up positively. But in a lot of churches, uh, the fact that somebody is still being called demon possessed just because they have depression or anxiety mm. makes us feel like we can't be close to God 
or that yes. we can't be oh, wow. or that we're wrong. It's wrong for us to be we this are wrong. Yeah. because yeah. we are we we're we can't be close to God because we still have this sin in us. We still have mm. this these flaws that are, are are simple. Um and and that's something that it that hurts a bunch of people. Uh, yeah. But the cool thing about the 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 podcast I'm making, the Neurodiverse podcast, is that I'm bringing in people who are going against that because they mm-hmm. are saying, I have my neurodiversity and I have a relationship with God. I, I pray. Mm. I read the Bible every single day. I, I go to church. I do everything I can to serve God. And, and, and every time somebody says that, I'm like chilled to the bone. I'm like, well, my, this I will even say. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But I'm just going to add to that and say my neurodiversity, I feel like in some ways actually enhances my relationship hmm. with God. I yes. connect to him in different ways. And I love that. I was going to say, because Sahori and I kind of connected with that, because Sahori has a BPD and that intensifies emotions. And ADHD also hmm. has a similar effect because of our uh, cognitive function here, where uh, a lot of the feelings um, amplify. Because the thing with the cognitive functions that we have is that uh, it's a disbalance. It's not that it's mm-hmm. it, it's not that it's either this or that, or there's a little bit or more. It's like a disbalance where it's kind of like I can love a lot, or mm-hmm. I can love yeah. like I can love really little, like mm-hmm. so. But that can be used for good yeah. and it can be used for relationship yes. with God. Amen. Yeah. And I love exactly. that you're doing that in your podcast. <clears throat> yes. But the people want to know, what are your well, blesses and curses? Oh, yes, oh, wait, exactly. Sorry. Yes. No, that I was going to say is I, I thought you were going to skip to to something else. No, blesses and curses. We, you, oh, oh my gosh, he is he is rubbing his He's hands, rubbing together. His hands He's together. prepared. We just talked about not being evil or diverse people. Now you're rubbing <laughs> your hands together evil. What are you doing? He's doing right the now? he's doing the evil raccoon meme. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like you said, like watching so much TV makes me have those little evil like. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. As, as you, a friend of the show, says, we think in cartoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Yes, I'm excited. What? Uh, but uh, first of all, I'm gonna bless Dexter. First of everything, because Wait, Dexter's Dexter... laboratory or Dexter the TV show. Editor's note: <sighs> Nathan, they're both TV shows. Come on, man. We talked about this. Dexter the TV show. The okay. serial killer. Okay. The serial All right. Killer. right. Killer. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Because it shows you how a terrible parent can mm. make someone into a serial killer. <laughs> it actually <laughs> like, shows interesting. A, a parent, a parent that did, did not know how to handle trauma and neurodiversity created a monster. Wow. That's basically the plot of the show because that is the main problem with a lot of people in neurodiversity is that a lot of the parents don't really know how to handle it. It's not really that their their parents are evil or anything. It's just they don't know how to handle it. So they end up creating someone that is not educated. Mm. Doesn't add, there's a lot of countries and all places still here in the United States where parents are go like, okay, let's just not send him to school because he can't handle it. And mm. or her. So they create someone that's not educated. So they struggle even more. They can't sustain themselves. They can't do anything. Separated from the world. Yep. Yes. Even 
people with uh, uh, Down syndrome, they can get a job. Absolutely. Of course, yes. Empower people. Yeah. Help people, uh, yes. Yeah, a, a lot of a lot of them are kept in the houses and are, are kept like mm. out, out of studies and stuff because they can't uh-huh. handle it. Um, yeah. So. And, and even even they're kept away from having a relationship with Christ. There's a kid in my church that has autism that their parents don't really like let him come into the church. They just give him a, 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 an iPad and let him be outside. And he just plays wow. with the iPad. He will never have a relationship with God because he's not smart enough, or he's a kid, and uh, like his mind doesn't work properly, so he can't understand God. And God's gonna, you know, he's gonna forgive him and stuff, you know, like, and it's gonna be fine. Uh, but he has to create. I, I wish he could create his own relationship with God, like, in uh, like, yeah. unique way. And that's yeah. interesting that you bring up Dexter. I haven't seen it, but that's it. I, I watched the I've first episode. Oh, I was gonna say, I've, I, that's an interesting thing they point out about it is that, how do I say it? Yes, parents have a big role in helping yeah. their kids who think differently, they're <clears throat> using that for good or have it be a death. Well, well that, that's the thing another is that the reason, first episode. Oh. Yeah. Another reason is because Dexter is very good at masking. And masking is a very thing with, with, with neurodiverse people is that they we pretend to have the traits of everyone else. So mm. like we try to imitate different people. But what did he run across all the time is that he actually did feel feelings. He thought he was a monster because of the way he was raised. He thought he didn't have any feelings. If you watch the, mm. the, the show, he, he, he just thinks he, he can't be a person, that he's just a monster. So that he, like his, I, I love the internalized like uh, words that he's saying to himself all the time because they express uh, what he's going through like mm. and what he thinks. So we can really see the, 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 the emotion that he does have. He says, like, he's an unre- unreliable narrator because he mm. says, I don't have feelings. Yet when he finds out that his brother is the main serial killer of, the, of every season, there's a serial killer that he has to kill. Uh, but when he finds out his brother is a serial killer and that he kidnapped his sister, he has to decide do I, do I uh, join my brother because he's just like me or do I save my sister? She has mm. loved me and take care of me all these years. And he comes to the conclusion that I can't blow my cover, but in reality is because he loves her. He loves mm-hmm. her. And he does he have was, emotions. Yeah. Some he of the things that he was, he was made to believe were true about him weren't necessarily yes. true yeah because that's great that's through. a great that, that's a great lesson again i've only watched the first episode so i didn't even realize it got that deep so what a good and, idea and it also feel like bad at watching tv yeah <laughs> you know you know you only say that because it's true yeah uh, <laughs> i recommend the first season if you don't like it just step out of it but the first season Fair. is based on the book and ah. and that's the only season that was based on the book the other ones were made up Gotcha. But uh, but at the end of that season, uh, just spoiler alert. <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> I take, take my hand. Like, <laughs> yeah. But 
this show has been out for like i don't know 20 years <laughs> but like um like at the end of the season his brother uh, he has to kill his brother and he just he breaks he breaks everything he and he just starts crying and crying and crying and he realizes i have emotion <laughs> mm. like so it's very interesting how society and his parenting and his own perception of himself made him into a monster. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So yeah. That, that that's a great uh, bless. That's a great I'm bless. A yeah. Uh, I will bless Moon Knight. Pretty good uh, yep. new show. Nice. Plus, uh, I'm not saying it because I have DID, but people that have DID are reviewing the show, and a lot of them, not all of them. But a lot of them are saying that it's a good representation of a superhero mm -hmm. with a neurodiversity because they they are excusing the because a lot of the people that uh, are that are not liking it with the ID don't like the fact that he's still a violent person, which is sure. like the most basic depiction of a person with the ID, uh, which yeah. if you know, it's like per, like what used to be called uh, split personality disorder. Right. Uh, and now it's called the ID. Um, this associative identity disorder now yeah. it's called. But uh, in Moon Knight, there some of the DID people that are watching it are excusing his violence due to the fact that he is a superhero and he right. is a mercenary. So aside from that, the representation of the character and the DID, they the the people that made the show uh, really study it. Like they really went in, nice. even they, they even changed the backstory from the comic book because in the comic book, he, he got DID when he was like in his thirties and you don't get DID when you're in your thirties, you yeah, get them gotcha, when you're, yeah. when you're a nine-year-old, that's the, that's the last. Yeah. So they cared uh, enough to do it and portray it right, which is a good step in yeah. the right direction. To yes. And also again, I understand. It was funny. We were talking about this, um, Nathan and I were talking about this before the podcast one of the great things about it is it is inverting the trope superhero trope where you have the neurotypical hero and the neurodivergent villain here you have the neurodivergent hero fighting the neurotypical yeah. villain yeah that's really yeah. true and ethan hawk actually he had he had a statement in saying that too often i'm i'm um not verbatim but too often paraphrasing villains yeah. are built on uh, mental illness and neurodivergence and he went he's glad to see that be a part of something that was changing that that's yeah. fantastic bless yeah curse yes. uh curse? Steven, we Steven Universe, like we were mentioning oh, yeah, pretty awesome parks and racks really yeah. good a uh, parks mm. and Rex. almost the whole cast has either autism or adhd <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes the almost the entire cat like almost all the characters in fact, all the characters in the show, except for Anne, I think Anne is, is the only neuro, like the, the nurse is the only uh, a neurotypical person in there, but almost all of them uh, have a form of neurodiversity. If you really like come down to study, sure, yeah. it's not confirmed, but you can tell. Sure, uh, yeah. a, a community, community is a really good example with- yep. uh, Amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I obviously have to say, tell everyone just because you mentioned- Oh, community. here he goes. I was in Community, uh, so you can you can see me in season one, episode nineteen. Uh, yes. Just look for me. I have a very titular part where I say "look," so make sure to see uh, my my role. What, that what I, episode? I, season one, episode nineteen. 
Not that I have that memorized or anything, but I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. Because uh, I love community. And Dan Harmon is, uh, has autism. And that's why he was able to represent a lot of so different well. autistic characters, even in characters that he didn't think were autistic. Because he yeah. had a lot of internalized ableism himself until he discovered that he was autistic and that a lot of his characters were uh, uh, autistic as well. But they're not the like normal representation of autistic because right. people think when when they think autism they think person who acts like robot robot and has no yeah. feeling like no wrong like, perception yeah yeah wrong perception um i am gonna bless a uh, a typical which is a show on netflix hmm. uh but i know that a lot of the autistic community does not like it because it's still representing only one Type. one perception yeah. of autism and they they want more more representation yeah, of yeah. different types different yeah with autism uh brooklyn 99 has jake peralta he definitely oh. has adhd oh you mentioned it so i gotta say i was in the first episode and the first uh <laughs> arrest i'm a uh, i'm a robber so uh <laughs> you, can't, awesome. you can't keep on mentioning shows i was in Raymond, I'm gonna have to tell everyone awesome. i'm gonna have to pat myself on the back you fool look what you've done <laughs> no, that's incredible. I gotta rewatch it just to see him. Don't encourage him. Yes. <laughs> but Raymond, but Raymond, you you've expended your blessings. We need a curse. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, I will curse all Disney dumb characters, quote unquote, mm. uh, stereotype. They are good portrayals of neurodiversity, but the characters are depicted as stupid, and they yep. are the butt of the joke. And Give some examples. Dumb, yeah, what, uh, what's your what's your least favorite? Maybe. Uh, I would like. I, I would have to say that um, from from all the uh, there used to be this show called uh, uh, Dustin and Now. You know, it's in all of their movies. I I just found it hard. I just found it hard to find like a specific one. I just know it's in every single movie. They have someone who is mm -hmm. uh, just the dumb character, but once in a time, the, they say something smart, wise, uh, that it's kind of like every character goes and turns to them and like everyone's laughing in the, in the background, like, ah, like the, the dumb character said something smart. You know, it's because he is also smart in his own way. Mm. Like they, they, sure. usually, they usually depict people that are, uh, very creative, like they have some kind of, they dress weird or they, uh, sure. like outside the they, norm in, in yeah. a lot of different ways. Timo, Timo and Pumbaa. The <laughs> yes. It's very, oh, yeah. It, it's very curious to me that the people that produce these shows and make shows think that the people that are creative are stupid and dumb. Interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, they're making maybe a some show. In, maybe some it's, internalized, internalized ableism. Um, yeah, exactly. That's really interesting. Yeah. No, I think that's it. I think yeah, and I think you're right. I think a lot of times um, <clears throat> neurodiverse minds are used as a butt of a joke, and I'd like to see that yeah. stop. Yeah, but Raymond, yeah. if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to encounter some of your work, your podcasts, where are the places they can go to listen to your stuff, to watch your stuff, to hear your stuff? Uh, yeah, give where are your links. Where can people find you in your work? 
Yes. Uh, so you can find me at the Rainbow Cupcake Podcast, uh, Neurodiverse uh, Podcast. Uh, you On can which I'll be very soon, I am assured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Uh, oh no oh yeah that's <laughs> you can't say things like that to him that's what his oh, no. agent says in hollywood but he's not going to yeah. talk to him yeah <laughs> no, i'm being i'm being honest it's not sarcasm yes i'm joking i'm joking so, so yeah rainbow no, no. cupcake where else uh yes you can also find me in uh in youtube as raymond uh as uh, sorry friendly tunes in the nice. friendly tunes channel you'll find uh, a bunch of other links to uh, a lot of the things that i do you can also find me on instagram at uh, raymond's uh friendly in so that's raymond's uh underscore friendly underscore ints uh and um yeah cool. that, that's it so uh, uh next time you see spider-man say hi for me to 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 it you know did you guys live in new york oh yes <laughs> he, he pops around the most of the there. yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah he's obviously a friend we hang yeah, out in course. new york yeah. a lot so yeah, we'll yeah. definitely uh give you a shout out next time and if you want to find me uh actually i'll do i'll do the overthinkers first if you want to find any more about the overthinkers go to the overthinkersjournal.com you can find out more about your hosts send us all your love mail hate mail uh again leave a review share with a friend and join our online facebook community where you can hang out with people like us like raymond and we can talk about all the fun important interesting things in a really fun way it's the overthinkers on facebook and if you want to find out more about me or connect uh head to nathanclarkson.me or you can just type in my name nathan clarkson on any of the socials Joseph, yeah. you can find me on any of the socials as well. You know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter is where I am most of the time. Also, I have, uh, you can find my website, josephholmstudios.com. You can also find a lot of my work at uh, Religion Unplugged, which does as uh, an online magazine about religion. I write a lot of culture pieces there. So you can find my work there. Um, yeah, well, thank you everybody so much for joining us. Thank you, especially Raymond for joining us. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about.